Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine, perfectly orchestrated destiny for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. We're going to do some uh, some very different things and very uh, opportunistic and powerful things this morning. And so I want to uh, I want to be purposeful about the time, um, so that I can accomplish what I need to accomplish. When I was studying, I spent probably three days, uh, almost the entirety of three days, um, preparing and studying for this. And uh, when I kind of got it sorted in my head, I told my wife, I said. It's X number of slides, and she said, oh, God. <laughs> so you need to be believing God with me that we can accomplish what we need to do. You, uh, you're probably not accustomed to seeing um, PowerPoints from me because it's not really how I roll. When you see me doing a PowerPoint, I'll give you a little, I'll be, some tra- I'll be transparent with you. If you see me doing a PowerPoint, it's because I have to keep myself, like, on track. Because when I'm... Uh, preaching, just so you guys know, when I preach and you guys see my notes or whatever up here, they're not actually notes, they're just scriptures. Um, because the Holy Spirit has already enumerated to me some of the things that I want to say. Usually, the Holy Spirit gives me more than I ever say. And so I have to not make notes on purpose because then I think I have to get to the notes. So usually it's just scriptures that are on my notes. So this is going to be a little bit different for some of you folks that are, that are fresh to our family. So this is, uh, I've kind of entitled this the seven cultures of influence. Um, some of you are probably familiar with a message called the seven mountains. Lance Wall now does it. Um, there's also the, uh, the seven pillars. I think that came out of YWAM. Um, there's a lot of different people that have had some, some deviations to this, this terminology. Um, I'm going to I'm going to be purposeful about putting it into kingdom terminology. I'm not I'm not really big in hype on on trying to stay hip to uh, what's woke in our culture today because our culture is a wreck, and so I don't want to try to submit the kingdom to culture. I want the culture to submit to kingdom. Amen. And because of that, I'm going to use kingdom language throughout all of this. There's going to be some similarities if you're familiar with any of that. But this is going to be absolutely, completely scripture-based. You're going to see a ton of scriptures in here. And I'm going to hopefully impact you with, a, uh, with the force and the gravity with which Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself to produce. Now, I'll say on the onset of this, I promise you, Scout's Honor, and I was a Boy Scout, Scout's Honor, you will get offended. Now, whether you actually take that temptation and become offended is up to you. But you will be presented an opportunity, a temptation to be offended. I will get in your sandbox. And it's not even me. That's why it took me three days to study through this, because I'm like, Lord, Lord, Lord. (laughs) And he's like, Steve, Steve. (laughs) 
So if if something, I can assure you, like it, ha- I have no, int- and I don't know what's going to hit who or what. Or I, I, I wasn't thinking about any of y'all. I wasn't seeing faces and say, yeah, I'm going to say this because this will really get Ryan. I, that is the opposite of my nature, those of you that know me. Like, I don't have any desire to get into you. In fact, if I'm getting into you, I can assure you, like, the Holy Spirit had to, like, tell me multiple times. Because it is not, it is not something that I'm excited to do. Right. So please take this from from the heart of God for the purpose of us having an impact and an influence on our culture. You are either influencing your culture or the culture is influencing you. Amen. That's the first opportunity to be offended. I know you might be thinking like, oh no, it, it does it, it, there's a third. There's not a third. You are influencing your culture. Or your culture is influencing you. Period. It is black and white with the kingdom. So I'm going to cover this in a, uh, in a anointed way. It's going to be presented to you through the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But there is going to be some poking and some prodding. And that is okay. Because our great shepherd wants to lead us into green pastures and beside still waters. So what is happening in our world today, and what are we supposed to be doing about it? Um, it, Those of you that don't remember, Beloved Church, about two, maybe two and a half years ago, we had a prophetic word that we received that we were called to be, that the Father called us, not called to be, but the Father called us the healthiest, the wealthiest, and the most influential group of people in the region. And for some of you, you're like, oh, whatever, you're arrogant. Like, I didn't say it wasn't my prophecy. It was a prophecy that came to us. And if that offends you, I don't know what to say. Like, either you should be a part of us. You know, I won't do this to you, but like, raise your hand if you don't want to be healthy. <laughs> you don't want to be wealthy and you don't want to be influential. Like. If you, if you think like, well, you're going to be that way, well, then my encouragement to you is just be part of us. And then you get to be healthy and wealthy and influential by osmosis because you're going to be around the people that God called that. And there's a ton of scriptures that can prove that God calls his people that. Um, I'm not going to go there, but we have actually gripped onto the prophetic word that was given to us. That's one of the important things that you need to understand about the prophetic. There are two different kinds of prophetic. There is the prophetic that is foreknowledge, and there is prophetic that is forth knowledge. Foreknowledge is God knowing things in advance, and he tells you. Forth knowledge is God knowing what you're supposed to be doing and encouraging you to engage. A lot of people get prophetic words, and they're like, oh, that's great. God says that I'm da-da-da-da-da. And then they go home, sit on their couch, eat bonbons, and wait for it to happen. It will never happen. And I know that you're super offended by that. No, if God prophesied it, it's going to come to pass. I can show you dozens of places in the scriptures that God said something was going to happen and it didn't happen that way. Why? People muck up God's plan. And I, for one, and I believe that you are the same way. We at Beloved Church are not going to muck up God's plan. We're going to be fully engaged in what he's called us to do. And specifically what he's called us to do as sons of God is influence culture. And we're going to do it well. Amen. 
So first let me define culture, because it's important for us to understand the definitions of things so that we can put a kingdom perspective on it. Um, the definition is a way of life, especially the general customs. <clears throat> customs is important. And beliefs of a particular group of people at a particular time. That definition came out of the Cambridge Dictionary. So this changes a particular group of people at a particular time. So this, this changes. And so there's an opportunity that we have in today that generations before didn't have and generations to come won't have. It means that this is the important part about that. Either you do what God has called you to do or it potentially could not get done. And I, for one, am not going to stand in front of the Lord at the end of my life on the day of judgment. He's going to say, well, I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want him to say, well, what you done? Um, the entomology of the word uh, comes from the Latin, which is talking about the tilling of the land, the act of preparing and refining the earth for crops. And we know that because you got cultivation, you got agriculture. And so this is a term that actually talks about the preparing, the facilitating to the receiving of a seed. Now, this is incredibly important because... Jesus talked incessantly about the kingdom of God being referenced as a seed and the heart of man being referenced as earth. So culture is a really important kingdom word. This is we're supposed to be preparing our ground to do what God has created for it to do. Heaven has and is a culture. There is a way, there is a group of people, and a way that heaven operates. And they are all in perfect unity on how that happens. And Jesus specifically told us in Matthew chapter 6 to bring that culture to this culture. No, that should have been way more receptive to that. I know, everybody's distracted because you got visual stuff. Oh, glowing screen. But, but, but stay with me in your heart. Don't get distracted by the glowing screen. Like, stay with me because this is incredibly important. I, w- I will be happy to send anybody a copy of this PowerPoint. You can go home and study it all you want. So stay open in your heart to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to cite. That culture that heaven has, Jesus came to put on display. That's why every sick person that came to him was healed. Every poor or lethargic person of any kind was always immediately impacted. Jesus carried a culture. And if you came within earshot, eyeshot, or physical shot of that culture, you were immediately affected and impacted by that culture. And then he gave us the Great Commission for us to do the same thing. The, the specific culture, Jesus' message was, and we'll get into this in the next series when we get into King and Kingdom. Jesus had a message. And I know this, this might shock some people, but he had a message. There was other messages that he preached in accordance with that message. Yes, Jesus was love, Jesus was gracious, Jesus was merciful, Jesus was a healer, Jesus was a teacher. But he had a message. 
And if you go through there, you'll find this. Over 130 some times in the, just in the Gospels, there was a reference to Jesus saying that you should repent and receive the good news about the kingdom of God. That was the message. <laughs> this is so important because we have many messages. And depending on what church you go to, depending on what denomination you are, depending on what way you lean or what way you don't lean or your experiences or your lack of experiences or the good things or the bad things that have happened to you, you change the message. You don't have permission to change the message. You do not have permission to change the message. It's his message. It's his kingdom. He's the king. It's his message. That's the only message that we got. And now you either get to submit and allow him to be Lord or you can do your own thing. And I can tell you that the scriptures are really clear that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Why? Anybody ever thought about that verse? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. First uh, Samuel chapter 16 is where that comes from. Because witchcraft is stirring up spiritual power to benefit yourself or to hurt another person. So when you are in rebellion, that means you are not doing what God wants because God wants to give you things by grace, not because you earn them and then allow you to be a blessing to other people. So the next thing is Jesus, the king of the kingdom, wanted to create and change culture through repentance. The word repentance in the Greek is metaneo. Meta means to change. And neo means the center of the thinking. Not just your thoughts. The center of the why you think. This is important. I can take everybody in here and I can debate you into receiving healing. Because the verses are, I, I literally, I don't know, there's probably 300 of them that I know of that will prove that God wants you healed. And I can debate you and win biblically to prove that God wants you healed. That don't mean you get healed. Right. I'll win the debate, you'll die sick. It happens all the time. I tell people scriptures and they say, well, yeah, but. That butt will kill you. I'm for real. That butt will kill you. If you do not believe the word of life, then what you believe will bring death. This, um, this repentance is changing the center, the core of your thinking. That does not happen just from getting information. That can only happen through revelation. But you don't get revelation without information. So first you need to be presented the information. And then you need to open up your heart. Cultivate your heart. Allow that seed to go into the dirt of your heart. And then the process of the kingdom will bring forth fruit. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And it will come in a 30, 60, and 100 fold return. That's revelation. That's revelation. No revelation, no change. Um, do, we, do we have the same desire that Jesus has? Which is to, to talk to the center core of people's thinking. Here's what I'll tell you. This is why the world has gone dark. 
is because the people of the world believe more in their message than the people of the kingdom. You don't believe me? Go take some, go to Portland and take some video. The people that are, that are destroying lives, that are burning down buildings, that are assaulting police officers, that are attacking, that are, that are filled with some of the most darkest and evilest venom in the entire nation, they believe so much in what they're doing that some of those people are getting multiple lifetime sentences and they don't care. Some of them potentially could end up with the death penalty. So be it. Because they believe in their message. You tell a Christian, not looking at nobody. (laughs) Hey, YouTube. Here's my experience. Not with anybody here. My experience with some of you out there in YouTube land is you tell a Christian to do something. And if they don't slash your tire or cuss you out, they will go tell 5,000 people that they shouldn't go to your church because you're legalistic. The, de- the devil tells someone to do it and they say, okay, what's the reward? I'll give you, I'll give you cool stuff in the dark kingdom. All right, let's do it. He tells someone in the body of Christ to do something. I'm like, okay, I'm busy. And I don't have time. And I know you just want my money, like Kay said. You know, like, they just want my money and they just want... It's amazing because everybody in this room, likely, has gone to Walmart. And you know all they want is your money. And the services and the goods that they provide you are shoddy at best. And you'll go there twice a week. Steve tells you to go to church twice a week. We'll go to the next slide. (laughs) Influence is what we are called to carry into the culture. Influence is the capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force. On or produce effects on the actions, behavior, opinions, etc. of others. Um, Electricity has an influence. If you add electricity to a motor, it turns. But people are influencers. Everyone in this room creates influence. You, You might not agree. You'd be wrong. You have influence on people. And not a person. You might be thinking that you're the lowliest of all low in the room and you don't really have a lot of influence. Okay, there's still people that are influenced by you, by your life, by your words, by your actions, by the manner in which you carry yourself or you don't. And maybe you like that because you're carrying the kingdom. Maybe you don't because you're not. Either way, you are influencing people. People are making decisions because they have seen your life. What are you going to do about that? Jesus, well, not Jesus, but, well, yeah, Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. In Colossians chapter 2, this is verses 8 through 10, this says, beware. The word beware means be at war. It's a militaristic term. It means be on guard. Beware. 
lest any man spoil you. Now, think about spoil. Spoil isn't bad. Spoil is it was good, and it went bad. Are you following me? So what the Lord has done in your life, what He has created in your spirit, man, what the, the finished work of the cross has done in you is beautiful, perfect, pristine, healthy, and glorious. And you need to be at war and be on guard that it doesn't spoil. How do things spoil? They have to have the right conditions, environment, or culture. Darkness. There has to be stuff flying around the air. has to be a certain temperature. And all those things, if they hit the right thing for the right amount of time, you will spoil the milk. And then, it's only good for the trash heap. Be on guard, lest any man spoil you. Through what? Philosophy. I'm telling you right now, this room, and I love you, I adore you. I pray for you literally every day. But I'm telling you that there is a gaggle of folks in this room that you have a philosophy that is spoiling your life. And if I was bold enough to say it to you, the best I could hope for is you spitting in my face. And that's sad. That is sad that you've allowed philosophy to take away the beauty of the king and his kingdom. Be on guard. Through philosophy and vain deceit. What's vain deceit? Vain means it has no value, it has no purpose. And deceit means that you're tricked. So you're tricked without value or purpose. This happens all the time. The enemy just wants to lie to you. It doesn't even make sense. You know, when you found out that you've been lied to, and sometimes you find out why you've been lied to, or who lied to you, or whatever they lied to you about, you're like, why did you even lie? Vain deceit happens all the time. If you watch the news, vain deceit. After the tradition of men, uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus said that it's your traditions that make the word of God of no power, no effect in your life. If you are not seeing the word of God taking power and authority and effect in your life, one of the main reasons probably is because you have a tradition. And I know you might be thinking, well, I'm not Catholic. You think they're the only ones with traditions? Are you for real? I can follow you around. Most of us are OCD. We do what we do because we do it. And if somebody asks you about it, you just tell them to shut up. Hey, why'd you do that? Shut up. Okay. Like, that's a good answer. You should ask yourself all the time. This is my number one prayer to the Lord. Lord, when I'm wrong, please correct me. And Lord, if there's any religion or tradition in me, please tell me. My number one prayer. Multiple times a day. Because this gets in all of us. You have tradition in you. You have religion in you. You have opinions that are contrary to the kingdom. You have a philosophy that is in you that is killing you. The 
Lord's job, the shepherd of your soul's job is to get it out. And every once in a while, he'll use a sluggard like me. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, the rudiments means the foundations. There, is, there are lies that the enemy's been telling people that he's been telling people since the first day. The same way he tricked Eve in the garden is the same way he tricks you. And if you're thinking, oh, you ain't getting me that way, <laughs> you are a fool. A fool. He comes to you all the time and he says, hey, you don't have it. Right? You need to go and get it. Which is a lie from the get-go because in Christ you have everything that you need. You are complete in Him. So whenever He says you don't have it, He's lying to you. But the problem is, is that most people believe Him. You don't have the money. So then He tells you how to go and get it. And it's usually through some natural carnal way. Hey Eve, go get fruit from the tree. Even if Eve would have believed Satan... I want you to think about this. Satan comes to Eve and says, you do not have something. There is something that the Father didn't give you. He did not give you the knowledge of good and evil. So let's say that Eve actually believed him. And she's like, well, maybe he didn't. Maybe God held out on me. Maybe God didn't fully, completely. Maybe God isn't loving like he has presented himself to be. And he's left a little something out of my life that I actually need. If Eve actually believed in the loving, good character of God, Eve would have gone to the Father. Said, hey, there was a snake that slithered by the other day that said that I don't have something. Can I have that? But the enemy not only lied to her about what she did and did not have, but then also redirected her to get it from somewhere else. Where? Something natural, something carnal, something physical, something visual. Hey, your life is lacking affection. You know what you should do? You should go jump into the arms of someone else and have physical exchanges because that will complete you. And then you have it. And then it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you're 30 minutes in a shower and you can't wash the stink off. This happens all the time. You don't have enough money? Know what you need to do? Don't give it church. Get a second job. You know what the Father's saying? Give. And it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will men give into your bosom? Oh, preacher. That's just a preacher verse. That only works for preachers. I've heard that. I'm for real. People think that there's verses in the Bible that are just for preachers and then for normal people. God bless you. At the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In His body was the fullness of the Godhead. And most of you should do this. Huh? How did all of God get into human form of Jesus? It, that question by default probably means that that's really hard for you to believe. You know what's even harder to believe? That that exact same thing happened in you. And this is why we struggle. 
Because you don't think the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you bodily. If you can't believe it dwelt in Jesus' body, you for sure can't believe it's going to dwell in your body. Because we've seen your body. And you are complete in Him. <laughs> Amen. That's true. Like it or lump it, it's true. You are complete in Him. No, I ain't. You don't know what I'm missing. You don't know what I don't have. You don't know. You don't know Christ. If you knew Christ and the riches of the mystery that is in him and that you were complete in him, you would never be living in you ever again. You'd only want to live in him. And we'd have to call you down floating from cloud to cloud because you're experiencing the fullness of what Jesus Christ died to give you. But because we believe that we don't have to, we can't live that way. Nobody can actually live completely complete in him. And so we give ourselves excuses why to be carnal, do terrible stuff, and destroy our lives. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Principality is arche in the Greek. It means the chief of the chief. Archangel is the chief of all angels. So the, the chief of all things that have influence, he is the head over all that. And then the word power is exousa in the Greek, and it means authority. So he is the head over all places of influence and over all types of authority. And he is in you. If you are not influencing the world, it's because you don't believe that you are who God created you to be. That means that a snake slithered into your garden and told you that you are not complete and you need to go somewhere else to get complete. Voila! So the next... How about you do it? This was cool when I bought it. Worldview is something that we all have. And you either have a biblical worldview or none. And I literally was studying on this for a long time. I'm like, biblical or... Or... You know, and there was like secular, and then there was like humanistic, and there was, there was a ton of adjectives, and I'm like, that one doesn't fit because it doesn't fit this. And the Lord said, it's either me or it's not. Amen. It's a whole lot better when you let Jesus help you write your messages. Everyone has a worldview. Whether or not we realize it, we all have certain viewpoints, presupp- presuppositions, and biases that affect the way that we view all of life and reality. Jesus walked on water. You have a worldview that says to you, yes, either he really did that, B, that that's just some cool story that people tell in Christianity, C, it was all type and shadow. It wasn't actual water and he wasn't actually walking. It was a spiritual water and a spiritual walk. I've heard all the stuff, y'all. And it's because we filter it through a worldview. If your worldview is not of the kingdom, then you are going to have a worldview that is of this world. We are in the world, but not of the world. A worldview is like a set of lenses. Which taint, that's negative. 
or alter. That's positive. For those of you that wear glasses, God bless you. The reason you have glasses on is so that you can see clearly. As the information of the kingdom comes into your life, changes your way of thinking, changes your worldview, changes your heart, develops your soul, you get glasses upon glasses upon glasses upon glasses. And I can tell you, at some point, you become so clear in your vision that there is absolutely nothing that you can't see. I was at my friend's just uh, last week or week before, and I was helping him sight in. We sighted in three different weapons at 300 yards, 300 yards, and we sighted him in on his scope, and the bullet hole from a 223 was this big in the scope at 300 yards. You can get a vision. You can get the Lord to give you understanding to the degree that you can see something at 300 yards that is so bold in your face that you're like, nobody misses it. But then you can also be standing in the crow's nest with us and not have any sniper scope and not have any spotter scope and have just complete, normal, regular human vision and you can't even see the target. You can't even see the target. One of the greatest things that happened to me after the baptism of the Holy Spirit and after I allowed the scriptures to completely start to renovate my lives is what I call spiritual acuity. Spiritual acuity. And what that means is I can see things and immediately and clearly get a spiritual understanding as to what's going on. This is, this is super important as a pastor. When I'm, when I'm helping people and I'm discipling people and counseling people, I need to know that it's not Steve. Cause Steve will muck up your life, something terrible. Trust me, I did it to me first. And so I have to be very, very purposeful about making sure that I'm not giving you Steve. No opinions. I have to give you heaven. The wisdom of God. And I can tell you, I can literally watch people from 300 yards and they're headed off a cliff. And it is going to be some of the biggest, nastiest, most gross explosions that you've ever seen. And the whole time that person's like, this is a cool little pathway. You notice how pretty the rocks are? Do you see the birds? Like you're headed to a cliff. No, I ain't. You're just a jerk pastor. Okay. God bless you. Worldview. If you see a worldview, if you have a worldview that is not being filtered through the kingdom, you're going to see things from this natural world. And I can tell you that if you look at this natural world with only natural lenses, you are going to be depressed and oppressed and hopeless and sick and broke. Because that's what the world's trying to do. Amen. It's very good at what it tries to do. So this worldview is something that you have. Our worldview is formed by our education, our upbringing, the culture we live in, the books we read. Read the Bible. The media and the movies we absorb, etc. For many people, their worldview is simply something that they have absorbed by osmosis. I'm telling you. This happens more than you want to believe. You think that you create your belief systems. I'm going to pray for you. 
This osmosis comes from cultural influences. You are being influenced by culture. And until you cross over that line and you start influencing culture, you're going to continue to be buffeted by this world and this world system. They have never thought strategically, that's you and I, we have never thought strategically about what we believe and wouldn't be able to give a rational defense of our beliefs to others. And this is anti-Christ. And it's true. I could literally like embarrass someone. I could call someone out of the audience and I could bring them up here and I could ask them a, a simple kingdom question and get their answer and say, now, where is that in the scriptures? Everybody's like, oh God, he ain't looking at me, is he? No, I'm not looking at you. Paul, the probably the greatest apostle, the greatest teacher of the entire uh, of the entire New Testament, wrote to his greatest student, Timothy, literally called him a son in the faith. Timothy was the guy who carried on the legacy, the revelation, and the knowledge of Paul. Wrote to him twice in Second Timothy, which is the last letter that we have from the Apostle Paul. He said, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When is the last time you actually studied the scripture? Don't answer. But I mean study. (laughs) When I was a teenager... And super broken and completely a wreck in every way of my life. There were certain kinds of magazines that I studied very well. You study. There are things that you study. There are people in this room that you can tell me what the score was of the football game last night or whenever they played. You can tell me the stats of the players. There are people in here. You can tell me how much horsepower your vehicle has. How much torque and when. See how quiet it got? The second thing that that Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said that you need to preach the word and be instant in season and out so that you can always be ready to tell people why you have the hope that is in you. Can you do that? Are you instant in season or out? If I came up to you and said, why are you so hopeful about this and about that and about this? You can say, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what my father said. Let me tell you what the scriptures say. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Let me tell you. Or do you say, well, no, Steve said so. I can't create hope for you. (laughs) Amen. Possess our possessions. There's a a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1 that I really... that I'm just using as kind of a gateway, and I want you to understand something, that the promised land, if you remember the Old Testament, the promised land was where the children of Israel were supposed to live. They were exited in the book of Exodus out of Egypt, and they were supposed to go into the promised land that flowed with milk and honey, and they were supposed to literally live out this most amazing, wonderful life that God Himself did by His own power to give them. I can tell you that the types and shadows here are literally just exploding off the page. Joshua in the Hebrew is Yahshua. That might sound familiar because Jesus is Yahshua. 
Joshua is a clear, powerful type and shadow of Jesus. And so really, honestly, the story of Yeshua, Joshua in the Old Testament is Jesus taking the people of God into what Jesus has created for them to have, which is the promised land, which is the kingdom of God. It could not literally be any clearer. And what happened? They mucked it up a lot. We don't want to muck it up. You can go read Joshua and you can figure out how to not muck it up. Specifically in 7 verse 1, it says that the Lord your God will bring you into a land that you are going to occupy. Now, what's really cool is God called this land, the promised land. He said, that's yours. It's yours. It belongs to you. I have already, past tense, given it to you. And when they walked up to the border of the land, there's all these nations that are possessing it. And some of them are giants. And some of them had really big cities with really big walls. Remember Jericho? Those of you that went to Sunday school when you were a kid... Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came and tumbling down. That was one of the nations that possessed the land that they were supposed to possess. I don't think you're getting this. God says, you own this. They walk up and someone else owns it. You know what the average Christian would do? Well, obviously it doesn't belong to me. Look, they're living there, so I guess I'll just go sit over here in the corner. Oh, God said, that's yours. And they said, but there's someone there. He says, I know. Go get them. Dispossess them from your possession. Oh, beloved. (laughs) The enemy has possessed things that belong to you in possession. You need to dispossess the enemy. You need to dispossess the world of things that belong to you by conquest of Jesus or their death, hell, and the grave. And if you don't dispossess them, you can stay on that side of the Jordan for the rest of your life and you're going to die in the wilderness the entire time. It all belonged to you. Oh, praise God. I'm going to take you into the land that you are going to occupy, that he may drive many nations out of it. God is going to drive them out to the degree that you go and possess the land that you have. God can't give you the whole thing all at once. If he did, the land would go fallow, the wild beasts would take over, the hornets would take over, a bunch of bad stuff would happen to the land because we weren't possessing it. But if we took it step by step, then we can possess and maintain. Possess and maintain. Remember what God told Adam and Eve in the garden? I want you to expand this garden over the whole earth. Why didn't he just make the whole earth the Garden of Eden? They weren't ready for it. They had to learn to keep and to guard what He had given them. And when they were mature, and they were dependable with what God had given them, then He would give them more. If you are faithful as a steward over little, God will make you ruler over much. This was what He was leading the children 
of Israel into, and we are his children. He's trying to do the same thing. As you advance, he will drive out seven nations larger and more powerful than you. That is in the Bible. As we advance, he will drive them out for us. It's not our fight. It's his fight. He's already won the victory, but we need to occupy. Occupy what he gives us. Each culture relates to a nation that must be driven out by the kingdom of God through the church. Yeshua's people, you and I, the children of God, need to go in and possess what belongs to us. The war is over. The war is over. Those of you that are doing spiritual warfare, you poor, poor, poor fool. The definition of warfare is two undefeated nations battling. If you're in spiritual warfare, that means that the devil has not been defeated for you. And you're going to lose. Because he will kick your tailbone all over this globe in the natural. So if you're doing spiritual warfare, prepare to lose. If you realize that Jesus did spiritual warfare, and that he won the victory, and we get to walk in his victory, then all you need to do is go possess what he has already, what he has already been victorious to earn for you. The war is over. God's not at war with you. God's not at war with Satan. He loves you. He brought you onto the team. And he done already beat the devil all over the place. There was an actual parade in hell. I'm going to preach about that later on. We stand in complete victory. That was fully accomplished by Jesus Christ and his cross. But we need to occupy until he returns. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If you think your problem is your boss. That president. <laughs> Depending on who's in the room. Maybe you're like, that president. Wh- whatever your opinion is. If you think that you have a problem because of a person, you've been deceived. Amen. The enemy has you twice. Because you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And he's made another person be your enemy, which your person is supposed to be your neighbor for you to love. Right. Now you can't love them because they're your enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battles are not against people, but against spiritual powers. It is wisdom to know how the enemy creates control and influence. Ruling powers of evil and spirits always target people through their thought life. This is why people are under the control of satanic entities, demonic entities, and the philosophies of this world because the enemy knows how to attack the thought life. That is how he tempts you. He comes in as a thought. Now, you have a right as a person who is um, completely recreated in the spirit of Christ. You have the ability to take every thought captive and bring it into the submission to the Christ. Or you can get a thought and say, well, I guess I got to do it because I got a thought. So if I got a thought, just because you're tempted doesn't mean you have to do it. You can say, well, that was a stupid thought. What's amazing is, is all the adults in here that have kids, you tell your kids that all the time. Well, that was a stupid thought. What do you think the father says to you sometimes? (laughs) The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, is the first version of... Of the Great Commission. There is two Great Commissions, Matthew chapter 28 and uh, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16's Great Commission is, talks about the personal influence that we're supposed to have on people's lives. Matthew chapter 28 is the Great Commission to the church. 
So you have a personal commission and you have a church commission. Matthew 28 is the church commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all power. Does anybody know what all means in the Greek? All. Are you sure? Did you, did you all study to show yourself approved on that or you just take my word for it? <laughs> gotcha. All power is given unto me in heaven and in heaven. So you're saying that Jesus has all power, all authority on earth too? Well, how in the world is he going to make that happen? Because obviously this earth has some issues. There are people in here that have issues, and you're in his building. So does he have all power and all authority in your life? No. He has all power and all authority in his kingdom. And to the degree that we expand his kingdom on the earth, then he has all power and all authority in his kingdom on the earth and in heaven. In heaven, it's complete, because all of heaven responds to him as king. On earth, only some people respond to him as king. In fact, only some people in this, in this room respond to him as king. A lot of Christians have Jesus as Savior, which means they realize that their life was a wreck, and they needed to be saved. They were standing out in an ocean, and then Jesus came along in a helicopter and threw him a life raft. And so they understand and appreciate and value Jesus as Savior. But they've never actually bowed the knee of their own self-will and their own self-kingdom to the king and made him Lord. Lord means what he says goes. Savior is, you do what you want to do and then he comes and saves you. We're an awesome church. We are an awesome church. And I love and adore you. But this happens a lot in this room. Where we do our own thing. We get into a mucked, mired mess, and then we call the Savior to come in. We are Lois Lane, and Jesus is Superman. And when we need affection from Superman, when Lois Lane needs a kiss from Superman, she just accidentally falls off the top of a building. Ah, help me out! And then Superman hears with his Superman hearing, and then he flies with a Superman speed, and then he swoops her up with his Superman arms, and then he kisses her, and he puts her back on top of the building, and she swoons. And then she goes on about her life until she needs more affection. Then she throws herself off a building again. Regular Christian life. <clears throat> Go ye therefore. <laughs> therefore. Whenever you see therefore, always look and see what is therefore. Go you therefore and teach all nations. The word teach is the word make disciples. Make disciples. A disciple, by definition, is a disciplined and trained one. Many people in this room probably think that you're a disciple. You're not. You could be. You have an opportunity to be, and you're invited to be. But not everybody's a Christian is a disciple. Some of them are just part of the crowd. Go look at the scriptures. How many were disciples? A select few. How many were part of the crowd? Gajillions. There is a difference. Disciple is one who walks away from everything in his life and spends 24 hours a day, seven days a week, living with the Master, learning from the Master, and growing and developing from the Master. Does that mean they're perfect? No. You ever met Peter? (laughs) 
doesn't mean perfection. It means that you've laid it all down and you're willing to walk away from the fishing business to go be a fisher of men. And you're going to learn from the chief fisher of men how to become that. Make disciples of all nations in the Greek ethos, which is where we get the word ethnic. Make disciples, make learned ones from all ethos, from all ethnic groups and their nations. This is literally the commission to the church. Our job, what we have been told to do by the king, is to teach and train all ethnic groups on this world about the king and his kingdom. We are supposed to be discipling nations, and we can barely disciple our neighbors. And to be fair, we're not even discipling ourselves. <laughs> I said at the beginning of this, I warned everybody that I was going to say stuff. And you still stayed. So this is on you. Uh, baptizing, immersing, submersing them in the nature, authority, honor, essence of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit, and of the Father. Man, I'd love to preach on that. Teaching them to observe all the things that are really important to you. Your, your top five heavy revies. The things that you're really upset about. Well, let me tell you something. That abortion stuff really irritates me. What are you doing about sexual purity? Well, I mean, you know, sex is private. I can do what I want. Do you, do you see how we like, you have your things. They're big to you, and so what's big to you is big to you. What's little to you is little to you. That's not kingdom. If it's important to Jesus, it should be important. If you deviate what is... Uh, supposed to be accomplished through your life and through you influencing culture based upon what other people are going to think about what you say. There are people that are right now, right now, not in this church. Because I said that marriage and sexuality is reserved for one man, one woman who are supposed to get together as virgins and stay together for their whole life. There are people not in this church right now because of that statement. There are people that are not in this church because I say that abortion is murder. These are the same. I'm not saying that they're going to hell. They might even have great lives. I don't know. I'm just saying, what, whenever you get to change any part of it, you understand, you're not teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. How about this one? Well, I know i got to love them, but I ain't going to like them. What verse is that? Do you have a verse on that one? People say that all the time. They think it's funny. You are training your heart. And I got news for you. Like is below love. It better be. If you can't like, you definitely can't love. If you can't jump a foot, you can't jump ten foot. Luke 19, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman, the nobleman is Jesus. 
A nobleman went into a far country. Where is that? Heaven. Jesus went into heaven to receive for himself a kingdom. Did Jesus receive the kingdom? Did he accomplish everything the Father asked him to do at the cross, through the, the, the trip into hell, the destruction of hell, where he got the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and then the resurrection was the glorious return of Jesus from him accomplishing the mission, and he says, all power and all authority is given unto me. So did Jesus go and do what the Father wanted him to do, and then reap the reward of receiving the kingdom for himself? So he possesses it. That don't mean you do. He does. We should. So he got, he went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. To return. (laughs) That should be exciting. I guess maybe you guys are so engaged with my message or looking at the glowing screen that you're missing it. He's coming back. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's too late now. He's coming back. He's coming back. Like, this isn't, this isn't a fairy tale. This isn't, you know, the end of a Walt Disney movie where they ride off into the sunset. This isn't some, some really wonderful thing that all of us Christians, you know, we're just all duped in the brain and so we're living a goofball. Like, he's coming back. He is coming back. And there is going to be some things that change. And one of the things that should not change is you. If you're waiting for him to come back for you to change. Amen. He's coming back. And he called his ten servants. Ten is the com- number of completion. Ten is perfection. So he called his ten servants. He called his mature servants. And he gave them mature, complete, full assets. Ten servants with ten pounds. That's you, beloved. In the spirit man, you are complete in him. I just read you the scripture. And in your spirit man, he gave you all power and all authority. He gave you all the gifts of the spirit. He gave you all the assets that you will ever possibly ever need. And then on top of it, he graced you beyond your ability to even comprehend how magnificent his grace is. So this is you. You are a servant and he gave you 10 pounds. And he said unto them, Occupy Till I come. Well, Lord, there wasn't nothing I could do about all that stuff that was going on in Stevenson County. Because, I mean, I was just a regular person. What am I supposed to do about the economy? How do I help sick people? Occupy till I come. You have ten pounds. But I think I need eleven. You have grace. But, but I'm just a regular person. You are Christ. But I've been sinful. You've been washed in my blood. Whatever excuse you got, he's got a reason why you don't have an excuse. (laughs) The word occupy, amen. The word occupy, no, that wasn't for me. The word occupy is for Jesus. The word occupy 
it was only used one time in all of Scripture, and it was right here. And it literally means to administrate and to manage profitably the capital at your disposal. We are supposed to be administrating and managing the capital of this world. It's exactly what he told Adam and Eve. Run the garden. And what did they do? Listen to the snake. And I know we all got a bunch of condemnation for Adam and Eve. Well, you wait till I get to heaven. I'm going to have a little conversation with Adam. When you get to heaven, Adam's going to have a conversation with you. Oh, yeah, you've been condemning me all these years and you've been listening to the snake. Thanks for laughing. So the first area of influence, the first culture of influence that we need to talk about is family. The family is the heart to our loving, learning, maturing, and developing as an individual and as a nation. The divine design of family is under open, unambiguous, and militant assault. (laughs) What is the divine design of family? One virgin man with one virgin woman being united in holy matrimony for the rest of their living lives. Anything else is contrary to divine design. Now you may excuse it, you may give reasons for it, you may argue with it, that's fine. Throw yourself off the building, Superman will come and save you. But you're immature and you're wrong. God is the one that created family. I'm pretty sure he knows how to make it work right. Now here's something I want you to think about. There's only three institutions that exist on this planet that were created by God in perfection. Everything else came out of imperfection, came out of sin, or God's response to sin. But there are three institutions that are on this planet that were created by God in perfection. Number one, marriage. God put them together. They were perfect. God was the first matchmaker, and he literally made the match. Two, family. Adam and Eve were a family, and they were sons of God. And then the third institution was church. And I know a bunch of people are like, what? Church? Adam and Eve met with the Father in the cool of the evening every day. They went to church. What do you think the three most assaulted institutions are on this planet right now? You think it's all just happenstance? Maybe it's just accidental? BLM and Antifa have openly, specifically targeted what they call the nuclear family. Mom, dad, and kids. They literally have part of the pillars of their existence is to destroy the family. And BLM by itself this year made a billion dollars in donations. A billion dollars came into them to help them destroy the American family. Most people don't know this. The history of BLM is the movement was started about... 
eight years ago, nine years ago, by a group of lesbian, gay, black people who wanted the black culture to embrace gay and lesbian people because gay black lives mattered. They dropped the gay, took on Marxism, and now they're attacking the world. Amen. Antifa, anarchy. That is literally what it means. It means that they believe in anarchy. There is no reason to promote anarchy unless you are specifically under the control of Satan. Satan is the original anarchist. If you don't believe me, read the Bible. Jesus, uh, Satan didn't like the whole control thing up in heaven. Stuck a finger in God's eye and said, I'm going to do my own thing. And it cost him eternity. Socialism. It's the destruction of the family unit is their number one pillar. If you read the Communism and Socialism Manifestos, one of their main purposes is to destroy the family unit. Because if they can separate the family from the children, the children from the family, they know that they can control the next generation. If they can control the next generation, they can do whatever they want. LGBT. If you're just created whatever, and you can just do whatever sexually, well then obviously you have no value, you have no worth as it relates to that aspect of your life, because it's just whatever. If you have no value and no worth in the sexuality, then obviously the fact that a man is supposed to be a father and a husband, and a woman is supposed to be a mother and a wife, doesn't even come into play. Because sex is just for fun. Abortion. 60 million American babies dead. That is more than every soldier in every war since the beginning of America. We have killed, murdered for our own selfish gain. If a baby in a womb is valueless, why are we shocked that people just kill people randomly now? If the most innocent of all life has no value, then why would any life have value? Marriage, parenting, parenting. Do you know why parenting is under such assault? You know, literally parents are told to be friends of their kids. The more they cry, the more they whine, give them more. Not that long ago, that was actually considered bad parenting. Not that long ago. In fact, for about 6,000 years, good parenting was don't give the selfish child what they want. Teach them that they don't get to do what they selfishly want and get rewarded for their selfishness. Now, in the last 20 years, it was give them everything that self wants, benefit them with everything they can, and then maybe they'll be your friend. And then if they're your friend later on, then maybe they'll do some good things in their lives. Well, how's that been working out? All the old people in the room say amen. Amen. (laughs) I didn't look because I don't want to know who calls themselves old. Think about this. Why is God Father? Jesus could have called God anything. Jesus came to display the true nature and the true heart of God. He could have called him anything. 
Elohim, all-powerful creator, omnipotent one, uh, uh, omnipresent. He could have called him anything, Jehovah. Why did Jesus call him Father? There is no higher name. And guess who's the target of every sitcom on television? Why are we sons? God could have made us slaves. The highest thing that God could have made you was sons. Do you see how important family is to God? Do you see how devastatingly unimportant it is to the kingdom of darkness? As goes the marriage, so goes the family. As goes the family, so goes the church. As goes the church, so goes the region. As goes the region, so goes the state. As goes the state, so goes the nation. The mess that we have right now is family-driven. You know what that means? You can fix it. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That's the greatest thing that God ever desired for us to be. Economy. This is the next mountain. The next cultural place of influence. The economy originally related to the management of your household, but now includes the management of the production, distribution, consumption, and commodities, resources, goods, and services. The biggest part of the culture is business. And we think that the church is supposed to be out of business. So guess what happened in the business world? Satan said, thank you very much. I'll take it. The church got out. Satan got in. And now the business world is one of the most corrupt institutions in the entire world. Why? Because the church said, no thanks. We don't need any of that money. That dirty money. Satan said, okay, I'll use it. Here's what Satan knows. Money equates to power or ability. No money, no power, no ability. You might have a good opinion. You might even be able to scream real loud. But if you can't back it up with resources to make it happen, nobody gives a rip what you got to say. Nobody. No influence. No money, no influence. Whoever influences the money influences the systems. Whoever influences the systems influences the information. Whoever influences the information influences the thinking. Whoever influences the thinking influences all of humanity. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. You know one of the things that he said there is that money is a master. And God is a master. You have to pick one. Most people pick wrong. Government. Everybody's going to love this one. Your pastor is going to talk to you about government. This this one. Government is a structure that defines the rules of body of a people to establishes conformity through laws, rules, regulations for the benefit of the community. I can tell you, I'm going to say, not say a ton more than I am going to say. Jesus specifically said, let every soul. Does anybody in here have a soul? It's supposed to be subject to governing authorities. Because God is the one that instituted government. When you resist government, you resist God. 
The word politics is the actions or activities concerned with achieving and using power in a country or society. The art or science of gaining control. (laughs) Amen. Uh, We are citizens of a constitutional republic. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic. republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. To the republic. How many think that we're a democracy? And I know you guys are more educated than the average. Most people think you're a democracy. We are not a democracy. In a democracy, the mass gets to choose what happens to the minority. Which means, if Cinderella has a bicycle, and it's a really nice bicycle, and we would rather have the $1,000 that that bicycle costs, then we can all vote and get a majority and take away Cindy's bicycle, go and sell it and split the money. That's a democracy. In a republic, specifically in a constitutional republic, republic means I have liberty and there is absolutely nothing that you can do to take away my liberty. I will submit our common places to laws. And so I will submit the fact that if Cindy and I are on the sidewalk together, there's a certain way legally that we should handle each other. But I am a free individual and Cindy is a free individual. So we will have a representative, a congressman, a senator, who will go and decide the laws about what happens between the commonality of our existence together. But if you step foot on my property, I can shoot you. If you try to take away one of my liberties, I can fight back. In fact, the entire Declaration of Independence was us telling England, hey, we're done, and we're fighting back. And we're going to absolve the government that we came from. You know, the government they came from was a democracy. Most people thought it was a monarchy. King George. No, they had a parliament. They had a house of commons. There was a democracy that they fled so that they could start a republic. And we've been trying to go back to a democracy ever since. We've been told and talked into the fact that we're supposed to be a democracy. Word republic means respublica. Citizen is a Greek word which means co-ruler or co-sovereign. When a person bows, when you're supposed to stand for the flag, you know what that means? I give up my sovereignty. I give up my liberty. That's why they're trying to talk people into bowing to the flag. So that they can give up their liberty and then the anarchists can come in and rule them. You probably didn't know that. Citizens participate in ruling themselves through democratic action. The word democracy is demos kratos. Demos means people. Kratos means muscle or might. Which means the people have the might. Which means if you don't vote, no might. If you are not voting... I would like to really honestly, genuinely, and sincerely talk to you about your Christianity. If you're not influencing something that you are literally encouraged to influence, what in the world are you influencing? 
We have purchased for you voter guides created by the Illinois Family Institute. These voter guides will help you vote. They will tell you about the candidates. They will break down your actual districts. They will tell you who's running in your district. They'll tell you what they're running on, what they stand for, what they believe in, what they don't believe in, their actual voting records. If you have a problem with voting because you are uninformed, then get informed. You don't get to skip out. Because here's the other side. There's a whole boatload of people who are uninformed and ignorant and they're being told what to do and a lot of our country is in the jacked up nightmare that it is because people are being told what to do by people who are just trying to create control so don't let it happen be informed here's the information please use it anybody can have it we have enough of them to go around you can take multiples and give them to people but you have got to exercise your muscle as a person if you are going to live in this nation especially you because you were created to influence culture The next one is education. This culture encompasses all structured education, both public and private. Education is vital in society for the passing on of knowledge, skills, and values. Public education has been the launching pad for nearly every vicious attack on the divine mandate for discipling the nations. I can't drill down on that, but I'm telling you that is an important statement. The church started the school. Who knew that? The church was why we have schools. Anybody know why it's called Sunday school? The church started the school. And then you know what the church did later on? Hey, government, you guys want to take this over? Because this is really hard on us. And you know what the government said? Well, we'd love to. So you want to give us all the hearts and souls of all your children? Well, okay then, if you make us. If your kids go to public school, they are being trained by this world to think like and act like this world. Period. The best you can do if your kids go to public school, the best you can do is have equal amounts of time with them at home as a parent to create anti-influence of what they're doing. But I'm telling you, Every school system in every state in America has adopted the 1619 Project information telling, the, telling your children that America was founded as a racist nation and that the founding fathers of our nation were some of the most terrible people that have ever lived on the planet. And I am here to tell you that the founding fathers of this nation are probably some of the most honorable people that have ever drawn breath. Amen. Your children are being taught to lie, steal, and kill. Your kindergartners are being taught how to masturbate and what the advantages are to being gay, lesbian, or transvestite. Public schools have transvestite predators who are coming in asking children to sit in their lap. Your children. And many of them are actually... Never mind. This is happening... In a nation, whether you like it or not, you can put your head in the sand, but guess what the church has done for a long time? We are supposed to chain a child up in the way that they should go. 
You know what that means? You're going to have to create some positive pressure on children in the way they should go. Because if you leave them go the way they want to go, does anybody know how that turns out? Okay, good. The state raises our children now and forms the pillars of their mind. There are kids, you could walk up to a kid today and you could say, what do you think about abortion? And they will say, well, abortion is a choice. You say, murder is a choice. Well, abortion is not murder. You can only get there by having your mind brainwashed and propagandized. A study that looks at facility, that looks at faculty voter registration at 40 leading universities. 40 of the leading universities. Some of the, okay, listen. Places that cost you $60,000 a year to get an education from. Leading universities. Places that almost every high school kid that wants to go to college wants to go to. If this stat doesn't shock you, then you are unshockable. They did a study on those 40 leading universities and found that 7243 professors, 7200 professors, the liberals outnumbered the conservatives 3,600 to 300. That means in those 40 leading universities, it is almost 12 to 1 liberal teachers versus conservative teachers. 12 to 1. 12 to 1. And in the history classes, it's 33 to 1. If your kid goes to a leading university, it is 33 to 1 that he is going to get a liberal history professor who is going to tell them the history of our nation. And they are absolute, dog-faced, bold, demonic, satanic lies. And they will be told to them by a professor, and so they will be taken as the gospel truth. 71 to 88%. You might see that. You know what that number represents? Christian children who renounce their faith in college. Christian children who renounce their faith in college. 71 to 88%. I hope that that goes on the inside of you and swells you. And the amazing thing is that many of the families that call themselves Christian don't even prioritize getting their kids into church. And then they're shocked that 71 to 88% of them walk away from their faith. There are people that call themselves Christians that neither they nor their children have stepped foot in a church in seven months. Cultural Marxism is the anti-education. Anti Antonio Gramsci developed a stratagem to quietly overturn societies from within. That stratagem is known as cultural Marxism. The process of gradually infusing communist doctrine into a society via culture. 
Gramsci's stratagem is reflected in one of his most pertinent quotes. Socialism will triumph by first capturing the culture via infiltration of schools, universities, churches, and the media. There are people that are sitting in this building right now because your former pastor started to adopt, believe in, and encourage socialism qualities. So if you don't think that it's working... I can tell you four of the largest denominations in the United States of America have said that gay and lesbian priests and pastors is okay by us. And I know a couple people groan, but you need to understand the dynamic of that and really think about that. We are in a First Amendment lawsuit against Governor Pritzker who his tyrannical edicts tried to shut down our church and every other church in Illinois. As I stand here today, I just found out about 11 days ago that Pritzker's side was enjoined with amicus curies by the Presbyterian Church, the Methodist Church, and the United Church of Christ, and the Church of Christ. Yeah, you heard me right. Four major, uh, large, some of the largest denominations have joined Pritzker's side against us for opening the church. Seven in ten millennials say they would vote for a socialist in the next election. I know you're thinking, like, where did you get these stats? Mm-hmm. Tearing down statues. You know one of the statues they tore down was Frederick Douglass, who was a black abolitionist? A black abolitionist? They tore down his statue. You think this was about tearing down white supremacist statues? (laughs) You poor sucker. 1619 Project, Sex Ed, where they actually demonstrate things in your kids' school. Why do you think the teachers don't want you watching while they're doing online school? They've actually filed lawsuits in some states that says parents are not allowed to watch the online Zoom classes. Think about that. There's lawsuits to stop you, the parent, from watching what the teacher is teaching your children. Redefining language, new normal, evolution. Well, you came from a slug, so obviously you don't have any value. University requirement. Why do you think like every job now? Hey, do you want to come be the janitor? Yeah. Do you have an education in sanitary? Do you have a bachelor's degree in how to sanitary? No, I don't. I just know how to change stuff out. I'm sorry, you can't work here until you get... Why? Do you ever think about it? Why do you need a bachelor's degree in something, something, something to go do something that you're probably already good at? Common core, gender confusion. Gender confusion. Are you guys for real? Man, I don't want to harp on that. But never in the history of all of civilized humanity did we ever get confused as to what gender the thing was when it came out. You either circumcised it or you didn't. The gender was... (laughs) Media, mass communication, news, information, gender communication in society, using such mediums as newspapers, magazines, radio, television, internet, social media, mobile phones. It is the means to influence large numbers and groups of people. 
But they had not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If faith comes by hearing the word of God and hearing the word of God and hearing the word of God, then how do you think unbelief comes? Why do you think you have so much unbelief? The ownership of the news media in the U.S. has been concentrated in the hands of just six incredibly powerful media corporations, which control most of what we watch, hear, and read every day. Six. Six people basically control 90% of everything you get in media. Six. How many of you think that they're spirit-filled, born-again Christians? The average American watches 153 hours of television. And I know what you're thinking. That ain't me. I don't watch 153 hours. The average American. That's a full-time job. That's 38 hours a week. You think that you're not getting polluted by the sewage of this world. Television. A glowing screen is essentially scientifically proven to have an actual measurable impact on your brain and thinking. Why do they call it programming? Why is it called tell a vision? And why does it come over channels? Because channeling is what you do in the demonic world. Oh, I know. You're, it's, just, it's just all ironic that all that name. They literally are telling you what they're doing. We are telling you our vision. We are channeling demonic images and ideas into your life. We're going to do it 153 hours a day, and we're going to program you. And you know what we do? We give them $100 a month. And then you get mad at Kay because she wants to take an offering at the church. 1983. 50% or 90% of the, United, the U.S. media was controlled by 50 companies. 2012, 90%, 6. These six entities basically are telling you everything that you know. 6. And I'll tell you right now, all of the owners and the controllers of these six entities are some of the most demonic people you have ever met. Entertainment. This is going to bother me. I'm going to do this really quick because I'm going to get irritated. This mountain includes arts, entertainment, sports, movies, theater, music, fashion, electronic games, and all matters of, that entertain or amuse us. This industry is a $1 trillion a year industry. And you might be thinking, well, that's a lot of money, or maybe that's not. I don't know, money, trillions, blah, blah, blah. Okay, all of America, on an annual basis, spends $13 trillion. So that means one out of every $13 goes to entertain your sorry little butt. One hundred million of it, one hundred billion of it goes to sports. Sports. Dear Jesus. The word entertainment is not found in the Bible. <laughs> Amen. Guess what else ain't in the Bible? Fun. Games. The word plays in the Bible. And the major usage of it was when Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And all of the children of Israel stayed down. And they all took their clothes off, danced naked in front of the idol. And it called them play. 
Guess what else ain't in the Bible? Vacation, retirement, sports. I know that a bunch of you would say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Back it on up, Pastor. You're not one of those guys, are you? Listen, I like to do this stuff. I like to do activities. If we're going to play, I'll go play softball with you after church. I'll go play kickball. Y'all know we have Conanias all the time. Volleyball, kickball. I, I take a bunch of people to school. Like Ryan can't play disc golf to save his life. <laughs> he beat me last time, just to be fair. <clears throat> I, I don't have a problem with the fact that, that you go and bang around and have fun and exercise and do all that kind of stuff. But the fact that America spends one out of every $13... You know how many people don't go to church because it's a midweek service and they got to take their kids to 14 different school things? And I can't go and do that. Pastor, I can't go to church on Sunday because that's the day my kid goes and does the Cinderella stuff. Okay, here's the point. We've allowed play to be more important than king. It's called hedonism. Hedonism is the moral philosophy that pleasure and happiness are the chief goal in human life. If you think that your goal is to be happy, you are not a servant of Christ. This know also that in the last day, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. In 1993, Charles Barkley, some of you remember, we were in high school. And, and this is when Michael Jordan and they were, they were kicking butt and doing all kinds of, Charles Barkley came out and this was one of the most radical statements ever said by any sports figure ever up until lately. He said, I am not a role model. And it shocked the sports world. I am not a role model. I'm paid to wreak havoc on the basketball courts. Parents should be role models. Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. Go, I double dog dare you, go out there and talk to some kid and ask them what their role models are. If they don't give you someone from Hollywood, a figurative figure, like Superman or Captain America, and they don't give you a sports figure, then you have just found a strange child. The likelihood that you're going to hear my dad, Jesus, And you're paying for that. One out of every $13. Church, this is the last mountain. For those of you that are getting squirmy, I got you. I understand. This is a big message. This is a big deal. I know. I don't want you sitting in church too long. God forbid you actually get programmed (laughs) by the vision that the Father is channeling to you. There are hundreds of belief groups across the globe with four major religions being Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism. The belief of any group of people provides the cultural framework for their society. There are 47,000 Christian denominations. Let me say that again. There are 47,000 Christian denominations. This is why I get so many emails from people that don't like the way I believe. You got two Christians in a room, you got two systems of belief. 
upon this rock. What rock? The revelation that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and is supposed to be the King of the coming kingdom. That revelation that Peter got directly from the Father, Jesus said, I will build my church. This ain't Steve's church. This ain't your church. It's his church. (laughs) Thank you for the amens. But I think that there's still some gravity that could be pushed into that. It's not your kingdom. It's not your way. It's not how you believe. It's not what you think. It's about him. If it doesn't filter through Jesus and his finished work, it's wrong. It's his church. And his church is going to go against the gates of hell and hell will not prevail against it. All of you Christians that think that I'm going to go and prevail against the gates of hell, you are going to get burnt up and die. It is the church together that is going to go and prevail against hell. The reason that hell is prevailing is because we, the church, don't think that we need to be a church and we're a bunch of little individual Christians running around doing our own thing and the kingdom of darkness has got a really organized system called hell and hell is coming to earth and so the kingdoms of this earth are becoming the kingdoms of hell when it says in Revelation that the kingdoms of this earth are supposed to be the kingdoms of our God. And what the the keys to heaven, the keys to the kingdom of heaven is what he's going to give us. And we shall, whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So there's some things that are loosed on our earth right now that someone loosed. And it wasn't me. Was it you? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance is in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought, which is created in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the fullness, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The church is God's solution to the world. And the church is the butt of Christian jokes the world over. It is absolutely common. You can join one of the largest support groups if you feel like you've been church hurt. That's one of the largest support groups you'll ever find in all of America is the church hurt group. That's just been really hurt by the church. You can go to work. They can literally take your money, abuse you, say terrible things about you, do all kinds of stuff, but they give you money so you keep going. Preacher at church tells you what to do, and you've been church hurt. It's a slow fade, y'all. 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about their religion in 18 and 19. That's down 12 points, 12 percentage points in just 10 years. 26% of people right now call themselves atheist, agnostic, or none. Which means, I don't give a rip. One out of four people don't give a rip. (laughs) 
Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. If you continue, then are you my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What's funny is they said, we're Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to anybody. Ignorant. They were in bondage to Rome and in bondage to Satan at the same time. And Jesus said, I'll make you free. And they said, we're not in bondage. I wonder how many people would agree with the Pharisees and Sadducees today. 84% of the silent generations, 1928 to 1945. Anybody in here? 1928 to 1945? You were born that long ago? Okay, you're the silent generation. 84% of your generation is Christian. If you go down and down and down, the millennials, 49%. Half of every millennial gives a rip about God. Who did that? This generation, X. That would be me. And then we got it done to us by our parents, and they got it done to them by their parents. These are, these are stats, y'all. We used to be 90% Christian, now we're 50% Christian. And there's people that you're hearing this message and you're playing, saying, will you please shut up so I can go home? You know what people have been saying for about 50 years? Can you please shut up, preacher, so we can all go home? And 50% of our children are now damned and going to hell because we can't sit through the truth. What can you do? This is actually good news. The worst good news ever. I got you. Here's the good news. You have a job. I call this job security. As long as there's problems, God always has a solution. In this genre, God has a solution, and his name is you. You, filled with the Spirit of Christ, understanding the truth, the kingdom of God in your hands, laying hands on the sick, changing the world is the solution to the problems of the world. God sees all these numbers and he's like, man, thank God I've got a beloved church. If your Christianity is not engaging and changing or influencing culture in word and action, then you have an opposing worldview of your father. The father seeing the terribleness and darkness and destruction that was taking place on this earth and sent one man. And then he put that one man in a billion Christians. And we've been saying, oh, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. I just don't know what's going on out there. Man, it's just terrible out there. I'm going to build a bomb shelter, eat spam and hide water with my AR-15. No. Go change culture. And this is simple. There's two things. Either get a fight or support a fight. It's not that complicated. Pick a fight, support a fight. One of my favorite movies is Braveheart. I just got a bunch of guys that are like, yeah, I just like this preacher all of a sudden. He likes Braveheart. I like Braveheart. This is my church. Just lost my teeth. Bam! <laughs> Got to be careful. So one of my favorite movies is Braveheart. And one of my favorite parts about it is when the first time they go on the battlefield. 
And they write on, they write out there, and remember all the other, uh, infeminine, emasculated, noble guys were gonna be like, let's just play the game, we'll get some more titles and land, and then we'll all ride home and nobody will die, we won't go to war. And then, Mel Gibson comes in on his horse and he's all painted blue and his hair and his muscles and sword and he rides up and all the nobles are like, hey, 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 easy, we're not really going to fight. And so they all ride out and they're going to talk to the king and the king's going to give them their, his demands and they're all going to say, yes, thank you for all the new titles and lands and, and wealth and all that. And everybody's supposed to ride off. And so the nobles go out there to talk to the king's messengers. And Mel Gibson's on his horse, and he gives the famous speech, you know, what will you do without freedom? And everybody's, yeah, freedom. And so then he rides back over to his homeboys, and he's like, uh, and he's about to ride off into where they're talking up there to get their, their little agreement made out. And he's about to ride off, and they said, well, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to pick a fight. Most people are looking to avoid the fight. People who change the world... Pick a fight. Pick a fight. I just gave you seven cultures of influence. I will promise you that something spoke to your heart or multiple somethings. You know why? Because the Spirit of God was stirring you. So you either need to go pick a fight or you need to support someone who's fighting. I'm fighting. Beloved church is fighting. There's a bunch of people in this room that got individual ministries, Bob Lindquist Ministries, Rugged Ministries, uh, they're, they're, the Freeport Pregnancy Center. There's a lot of fights that we're fighting. So either go start a fight, pick a fight, or support a fight. Or lay down and let the enemy come in and ravage your children in front of your eyes. Your call, your choice. Luke 6.40, disciples not above his master, but everyone that is perfect or mature shall be as his master. What did Jesus do about the culture that was going on in the world when he came? We've been talking about him for 2,000 years. Because he changed every aspect of culture when he touched it. What should we say about you 2,000 years from now? All right, please rise. I'd like to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of this precious, life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is a place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, you who are greatly loved by the Father, I pray, I desire above all things that you prosper and you experience divine health to the degree that you allow that to saturate and prosper your soul. I pray that you receive these words and they change every aspect of your life. I love you. I'll see you again soon.